Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. How's it going, Rangers and overall hockey fans? Thank you guys all so much for chiming in for the latest episode of Rangers Review. This time, episode 68, we have been gone for nearly a month because unfortunately, especially for me, Wardy, schedule gets hectic covering the MLB offseason. That's part of my work for Wardy NYM. However, we are back now with a breaking news episode right as we're about to go live here on YouTube. And for people on audio listening afterwards, you know this by now, but Ryan Reeves has been traded to the Minnesota Wild for a fifth-round pick. So we're going to be breaking down our raw reactions to that deal for the New York Rangers, how we feel about it as fans, what it means for the team going forward potentially as they're going to be freeing up right around $1.7 million in cap space, which is huge for the Rangers, a team that's very limited as is with the cap. Then we'll get into overall breaking down raw reactions and recapping the past four games, games 17 to 20, because those are the most relevant, sharing the upsides and downsides for what has been a pretty inconsistent season for the Rangers. You know, Stephen, who would have thought the New York Knicks are not the only team in MSG that's been absolutely mid so far this season for the uh, for New York sports. Seriously, both of them 500 through around their first 20 games. Here we are, but a lot to get into. Let's talk about it. And Steven, how are you doing today, my man? Good, good. Um, I had a call earlier today with one of the most recent Ranger draft picks. So that's a prospect interview that's coming up in a couple of weeks. So it's been very productive for, for do me. We, do we get a hint or no? Um, well, he plays junior hockey. Okay. <laughs> so that's, that's how far I'll go. Uh, I have a couple more lined up. So the coming weeks, we'll have some, uh, some more content coming your way. Um, but yeah, uh, Ryan Reeves being traded for a fifth round pick in 2025. Uh, the Rangers are slowly but surely uh, recouping a lot of the assets that they gave up last trade deadline. It might not be the same years, but you know, you get a fourth round pick in the Nils Lundqvist deal together with that first, of course. Uh, the sixth round pick that they got in the Andrew Cobb trade, and now a fifth round pick in 2025 for Ryan Reeves. Um, so yeah, the Drury is recouping the assets that he gave up at the deadline uh, in different ways. Ryan Reeves, look, if he was on the books for a million or 900,000, I had no problem with him staying on the team. But you cannot have a healthy scratch who makes 1.75 million. It's just too much. Um, to get, uh, We'll see what happens with the details. I don't, I hope there's no retained salary. Uh, but if they get a fifth round pick to get him off the books completely, that's going to help the Rangers moving forward. So, Absolutely. And look, don't get me wrong. Am I unbelievably concerned as to how Shesty can be released going forward. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I know we joke. To tell Shesty to release us. That's what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, ne- it's never, it's never going to be this. I mean, I feel like he's going to be shaking trying to touch the ice now. How is it I, was, get I, was honestly, I was honestly expecting Reeves to just retire mid season and then be like hired as like an assistant coach or like a special advisor and honestly, I, I would pay money just to have him in that in that tunnel. You know, I would take just, him over Tanner Glass every day of the week. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how good Ryan Reeves is when it comes to player development. But, yeah, no, uh, look, Ryan Reeves, he was here for a year and a half. It feels a lot longer because he had 
quite quite a big impact for a fourth line player to be honest um and we'll see um uh, interesting point though he's going to the team that he had his last fighting major against the minnesota world yeah <laughs> see steven so, rolling out the stats per usual that, um for, that's going to be an know, interesting en- entrance to the locker room there in uh in saint paul I'm not looking forward to facing Revo. I will say that much. Should he be in the lineup? Um, now, granted, I will say this about Ryan Reeves. I thoroughly enjoyed his time here with the Rangers. I would be lying if I hadn't said that, you know, the main reason why I enjoyed him more was honestly more so for his personality than his production on the ice. I did appreciate the fact that Revo had more pep, pep in his step in his game than what we've seen the Rangers do a years past with acquiring just pure cones at that, you know, bottom wing position on that fourth line over the years. Uh, so many guys that just have them for the fisticuffs. And Revo, don't get me wrong, he's had his fair share of fights, but it feels like for the Rangers, he was a guy that they really should have acquired a year or two sooner than what they did. Uh, as we were talking off air before we started the live show here for episode 68 of Rangers Review, it was one of those situations where the Rangers had presumed interest in Revo for multiple years. Um and also, uh, we saw in the live chat here is that uh, there's no retained salary, by the way. Uh, Steve, okay. No, full 1.7 going off the books. That's good to see for the Rangers case. But going back to my point is, is that, you know, the buildup from everything that happened, of course, eventually with Wilson, the Capitals, and then you see Jim Dolan at the time look like he's making a drastic change with changing the front office, going in hand with the lack of physicality for the Rangers. There were good reasons as to why Revo made sense for the Rangers. However, quickly, you could tell that just with cap restraints itself, to free up roughly $2 million for a guy that is not in your starting lineup every single day, a guy that gives you very limited production, and while he might be great for the clubhouse, while he may be great for having that impact come postseason, this is something where the Rangers are already looking ahead for what they can do at this year's uh, upcoming trade deadline the same way that they did last year, with the biggest difference being the Rangers don't have multiples of millions in free cap like they did last mm-hmm. NHL trade deadline, you know? So they need to get creative, and Chris Drury, I commend him for doing just that here by, you know, getting a fifth-round pick. It might not be much, but again, when you look at Revo's value, were you really expecting that much more? I think that would be silly. Yeah, and and a, a fifth-round pick may not sound like much, but we got Tyler Mott at the deadline for a fourth. And Tyler Mott was uber more productive than what we um, than what Revo was during his yeah, short. Season. You can use a fifth round pick. You know, um, uh, Brett Berard was a fifth round pick. Carl mm-hmm. uh, Haglin and Jesper Foss, if I remember correctly, were sixth round picks. So there is definitely there are ways you can use that to your advantage. Um, but it is you get an asset for a player that you weren't using in the first place. Um, and to me, I think Reeves will always be more like the personification of the change in mentality that his organization went through in 2020. Uh, sorry, 2021. Mm-hmm. After the whole Tom Wilson incident, it wasn't just signing Reeves. It was also trading for Barkley Goudreau. It was drafting guys like Brennan Othman, Adam Sikora, Maxim Barbashev, Um and then from a previous draft, guys like Brett Berard, Will Cooley, Matt Rempe, they, they bring a physical element to, to, to the game that the Rangers never really were looking for. So Reeves, for me, is more the personification of that change in direction. And speaking of Rempe, actually, and I'm not saying that he's going to be a Reeves replacement on the Rangers. He's still young. He's only 20 years old. But in 11 games in the AHL for the Hartford Wolfpack, he already has three fighting majors. So 
take that for what you will. Um, but yeah, the Rangers definitely needed Reeves when they got him. But I think now they just they just didn't he just didn't really serve the purpose that he did when he arrived here last year. What was it, July, when we traded for him? Um, wish him all the best with the Minnesota Wild. Uh, I'm pretty sure they can use someone to protect Kirill Kaprizov. Um, That's true. But I think what's also important to note is that he wasn't playing regularly in New York anymore. And the whole fear factor of Ryan Reese was kind of no longer there. You know, opponents weren't really afraid to go after players just because Ryan Reese is on the bench. You need those kind of players on the ice when it happens. And Ryan Lindgren has stepped up since then. Alexi Lafreniere, the fighting major against, I think, the New York, New York Islanders. Mm-hmm. So, if anything, the, the change in, 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 in culture, the cultural change that the Rangers wanted to force started with Reeves, and I think he served his purpose. Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it. You know, you bring him in, he really helps lay lay the groundwork for this new Rangers core group on, you know, from their young kids to their veterans on the type of mentality and approach they should have on a nightly basis. And now that that's been cemented in this Rangers organization over the past year and a half, it's safe to say that, especially with a guy that is not going to be productive on an every night basis because he simply will not be in the starting lineup, then makes sense that given his cap hit apart ways with him and an interesting point here. And again, I'm always conflicted when it comes to the Rangers and uh, hypotheticals of Patrick Kane, but I would like to make note of this from Vince McCurgliano. Just tweet this out as we're live here, just a hypothetical. And I quote, the New York Rangers could now acquire Kane without needing to solicit a third team. They could make the trade straight up as long as Chicago agrees to retain 50% of his cap hit. Again, many possibilities are now much more realistic for the Rangers. And this goes back to the exact reason as to why Chris Drury made this trade in the first place. Doesn't matter on if it's, say, going to be a Patrick Kane or whoever. Uh, the point is, is that this now opens the floodgates for the Rangers to have enough cap flexibility to at minimum acquire some pieces that will make this team better in the short term for another playoff pursuit once we get to that point. Whether the Rangers don't do anything of significance trade-wise until the trade deadline, that is yet to be seen. We know that they have been anything but consistent so far through their first 20 games. However, what we do know is that trades are pretty much inevitable for this group. It's just a matter of when and now the possibility of, say, going out and inquiring if they really want to do a guy in a and a Patrick Kane, who I'm very up in the air about. I've been in favor. I've been against. It really goes directly in hand with how the Rangers perform leading up to the deadline, honestly. Um, he's just one of now many options for them should they go out and potentially pursue it. So, Stephen, any final thoughts you'd like to share regarding what this means for the Rangers and their potential trade pursuits going forward? Yeah, I think the important thing to look at here is that there was no salary retention. And, yeah, based on Cap Friendly's calculation, they would have a prorated cap space of around 6.5 million. That should be enough to fit Kane under the cap at 50% retained. So we've been talking about this for weeks, but it was never really in the books because the numbers didn't add up. But now it actually can be a serious conversation. Um, will it be Patrick Kane or will it be someone else? Who knows? Um, depending on how the St. Louis Blues go uh, do in the season, a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko could could be an option if if they don't get Kane. But yeah, the, the trade deadline is a lot more interesting now. Absolutely. So uh, I think that's all that needs to be said. Ryan Reeves, loved you here. Wish you all the best. And 
We'll see how you do now in Minnesota. And hopefully for your sake, you get more playing time, consistent playing time than what you're gaining here uh, in New York with the Rangers. But now, Stephen, again, we haven't done a podcast in just shy of a month now. We missed a couple of weeks during that time. And really, I think the prime thing that we can come out of uh, from all these games is that the Rangers have, as I alluded to already, been consistently inconsistent from a lack of production from your guys on five on five to a lack of production from the overall depth of the lineup, a lack of production from the defensive side of things. Igor being distressed as ever, it looks like out there more than ever, truly. Um, still trying to get over some humps that I've seen recent articles of going back to the last year's playoffs. Um, this has not been nearly as smooth sailing of a start through the first quarter of the season for the Rangers as they would have liked. They currently hold a wild card spot out of the Eastern Conference. Uh, what we see, though, is that a team like the New Jersey Devils just cannot be beat at this point in time. Uh, Steven, you predicted that the Devils would make playoffs entering the season, if I'm not mistaken. They won 13 straight to this point. Uh, credit to them as much as we despise the Devils. Uh, but when you see the Devils, for instance, high rise so quickly under Lenny Ruff, and I know that their assistant coach was the interim head coach for Florida this past season when they had their historic year after parting ways with um, that being. And why am I blanking on the name? Please help me out here. Burnett? No, no. Um, Who he replaced. Why am I blanking on him? For Chicago. Uh, recent Chicago head coach, then Florida Panther. Hot start oh, with him. Joe Quenville. Yes, thank you. It's just completely lost okay. my head. No less, you see... Devils doing great things in the Metro Rangers inconsistent, to put it lightly. Um, no. So biggest takeaway again over these past couple of weeks is just need to get themselves in a groove here. Need to be more structured from a defensive standpoint, need to be better five on five, a lot of flaws with this Rangers team. And we've already seen fans go out and wanting the head of the Rangers coaching staff already. Um, I can understand debates going back and forth with that. People were like, all oh, this was expected year two with Gallant already. He's going to be out of here before you know it. Whether that holds true or not, that is yet to be seen. Uh, however, what we do know is that over the Rangers' past four games now that we're going to be quickly recapping and deep diving, there's been positives. There certainly have been. They're finally trying to get themselves back in a groove here. Has been pretty, has been perfect. They have another game tonight at the time of recording this against the Anaheim Ducks to wrap up their road trip but Steven starting with game 17 of the season last game at home before the road trip against a team out west in the Arizona Coyotes break it down for me what what was the raw reactions of that game and that victory yeah dude honestly you're talking about a game that was 10 days ago so it's uh, I, know. <laughs> I know we're gonna go quick with these just because yeah, I know we the, a lot. the Rangers won they beat the Coyotes 4-1 uh, what I distinctly remember is Patrick Nemeth being on the ice for all four goals by the Rangers. Um, <laughs> that's a, that's a topic of conversation that came up that night. Um, Carpenter getting his first was uh, was an interesting point. Chris Kreider on the power play. Adam Fox a two point game. Uh, that was a decent win, but again the Rangers they don't really show a lot of confidence, and they don't really show that. If they play this game 100 times, that they would win it 99% of the time. That's that's probably the, the like you said, the consistently inconsistent. It's probably the best way to describe it. And the heavy reliance on the power play sounds like a weird point to make after a game that we'll get to in a second, where they score five even strength goals against the Sharks, and I include the empty net goal there. Um, 
yeah, look, the Rangers really rely on the power play. And I tweeted this earlier, like this morning, following last night's game. Philip Hedl leads the Rangers among forwards in even strength points with, te- with 10. He's tied with Artemi Panarin, but has played six fewer games than Panarin. And when you look at the even strength production of Rangers, when we talk about forwards, because Adam Fox with 16 points at even strength, he's number one by far. But Hedl and Panarin with 10. Lafreniere, Zibanejad, and Kreider with nine, and then Kako with eight. I think that gives you a much better indication of how these players have been doing at even strength. Because we talk about, oh, Lafreniere and Kako don't score enough to stay in the top six, to remain in the top six. But they are on pace for the exact same amount of points that Zibanejad and Kreider are on. So uh, Trocek only has seven points at even strength. He's like one point behind Kako, two points behind Lafreniere. Yeah. The power play and the reliance on the power play has really given people uh, like like a, a skewed view of how good guys like Panera and Zibanejad and Kreider have been. And I feel like we've had this issue. This isn't the first year we've had this issue, you know what I mean? Oh, uh, no. This was an issue all last season. and. Ex- Exactly. And what did the Rangers do? They addressed it finally by the trade deadline. They finally yeah, it's got their lot easier, five on five. Uh, it's a lot easier to fix five holes at the deadline when you have prorated $26 million in cap space at the deadline. Yes, exactly. And that's why it's frustrating that the Rangers are inevitably facing the same exact issue. Two without without that same cap space. To exactly. Fix exactly. And it's only, going, it's only going to get worse from here. That's that's the issue, too. Yes, it, no. it, uh, the salary cap is going to be increasing a decent amount over the, ne- the next couple of years, which is good to see. However, it's it doesn't change the fact that the Rangers have major issues right now. And, um, you know, briefly touching on game number 18 for the Rangers. Yes, they won against Arizona. They win, uh, They lose, however, game 18 against the Seattle Kraken in Seattle. Start off the road trip. And this was just another frustrating display by the Rangers because they lose 3-2. And the biggest takeaway is the Rangers, if you're not on the power play, you're not scoring. <laughs> you saw their Mika Zibanejad ties the game in the first with a power play goal. Tenth of the season at that point. No, no goal scored in the second period. Third period, you see Justin Schultz gives Seattle the lead. And then the Rangers get it back right before the period ends in the final two minutes. Thanks to Vincent Trocek on said power play. Then in overtime, Justin Schultz gets the game winner, and that's what we do. Again, this is why the Rangers are 500. They haven't performed great in overtime either. They already have four overtime losses, as is, and you know they're 10 and 10. That's how I really look at them. Yes, the, the point difference is very much there. However, this was just a, a prime example of what you were alluding to already, Stephen. Five on five versus power play, two different stories, and that was certainly on display in game 18. But getting on to game 19, Stephen, what did the Rangers do there? Uh, so yeah, game 19, uh, they go up against the Sharks. Um, was that the Sharks? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they go up against the Sharks and man, as, as, as decent as the Sharks have been in certain games, like that game against Madison Square Garden, they were, they were good. Uh, they beat us. They, they got David Quinn as first win as a Sharks coach. Um, the, the Rangers, uh, this is the frustrating part. The Rangers need to come out of San Jose with a 5 nothing win. Right. The difference in quality is, is so noticeable, especially on paper. It takes them until deep into the third period to get the first goal with Julian Gauthier with a nice deflection 
off of uh, Jacob Truba's shot. And then and they, and here's the frustration. Adam Fox scores an empty net goal to give you a two-goal lead with a minute seven to go. And you're like, ah, they're not going to be in trouble now, right? Uh, they pull their goalie again. And then with, with 17 seconds to go, they scored a 2-1. Logan Couture gets his ninth. And you're like, oh, they, they're not going to get into trouble now, right? They can see the one goal, but, you know, that's that's about it. And then they win the faceoff with 17 seconds to go. Fox dumps it in, and they still have enough time to get not just a shot on goal, but a dangerous shot on goal. They get a dangerous shot on goal, and Shostorkin has to bail them out. And when you – with a minute seven to go, when you score the, the 2 nothing. You should not have you should not have any issues finishing that game with a two goal lead. It's absolutely ridiculous. But it did spark something in the conversation I had with uh, Broadway Block that I was recording with on Monday. Are the Rangers really that bad in conceding last minute goals? So I looked it up. In the salary cap era, no team has allowed fewer last minute goals, excluding empty netters, than the New York Rangers and the San Jose Sharks, with 48. So the Rangers in the salary cap era are the best in not conceding a, a last-minute goal. Wow. Now, that goes exactly against what you would expect as a Ranger fan, right? Well, think 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 about as as heart as frustrating and as heart palpitating as it was. Think about a decade straight of Henrik Lundqvist mm-hmm. doing everything while the Rangers did nothing to keep <laughs> the puck in the offensive zone for the final yeah. minute and a half to two minutes. Same thing is now transitioning here with Igor. Same exact thing. So if there's anyone to thank, it's the Rangers goaltending. It's as simple as that. It's yeah. not because of their defensive prowess. No, no, no. no. Still, as as Rangers fans, you still, you still think, oh, we must, we must suck at this. We must be the worst at this. Same with the conceding first career NHL goals. In the yeah. salary cap era, the Rangers are seventh best at not conceding first career goals. I granted I think that just comes with the natural bias of being a Rangers fan and watching Maybe. them more than any other By team. By the way, um so Vince McCarviano tweeted that Reese requested a trade while the team was in LA. Oh. Okay. So probably just because of the fact that he wants more playing time. Maybe, maybe. Uh, I, I, I doubt it. I doubt it's a team issue. He's Let's hope that that's the case. If yeah. if that is it, then it's okay. But man, and this is this is my Ranger brain starting again. Why did he request a trade? What's going on? What's what's the what's yeah? The that's issue? that's certainly what's... something that we need to find out again. Though I'm happy for Revo. If you want to be traded, then yeah. you got your. Yeah. And where did you see this again? I'm sorry. Uh, Vince Macagliano tweeted it a few minutes ago. Did he really? Oh, okay. Um. Interesting. Again, though, happy for Revo. Hope for his sake he gets what he's looking for, whatever that may have been. Um, I, I got to say, it, it, it's a little surprising that he requested a trade. When you think about it, it seemed like he really enjoyed New York and everything that that brought. Um, so it's like, I don't know. I wonder what goes on in a player's head like his, who knows his role on a team as is. That's a limited player with limited production. You're getting paid roughly $2 million to have a limited role on a team while you get to thrive and enjoy everything that New York brings you as someone who's, who assumably embraced it. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, right? Maybe there are 
factors that he didn't enjoy as much as the the fan assume, right? But I I truly do hope it just comes down to the fact that he wants more playing time, still has that gear in him, knowing that his career isn't going to last too much longer, trying to make the most of it. Should that be true, then that's completely understandable. And again, I wish him the best. But um, so you talked about game 19. Now let's talk about the game that happened last night for the Rangers. And that was their victory over the LA Canes. And I will say, while it was a rough start for this Rangers team, they gave me that vibe. They gave me that swagger of the 2021-2022 Rangers. They gave me that presence of a team that, oh, we're down by two? Oh, that, it doesn't matter. It, 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 that means nothing. You know, we're going to come out. We're going to bounce back just fine. It's just a matter of time. And, and they did exactly that, and I credit them for that because while the game wasn't pretty, they definitely had their defensive miscues. Feels like every single night watching this team. Yeah. Um, however, the game starts with an early 2-0 lead in favor of the LA Kings. Kevin Fiala, 35 seconds into the game, and that's the seventh of the year. Gabriel Velarde, who's finally thriving for the Kings. I'm happy for him. Not happy when facing the Rangers, however. He gets himself his 11th goal of the year on the power play uh, around six minutes. And then we get to the second period, right? Brayden Schneider gets one sne- uh, sneaking through from the point on the right side. Rangers finally get their first goal of the game. It's a 2-1 game. Then Vincent Trocek coming along from the right side gets a little sneaky goal past Cal Peterson. Yeah. A initially, 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 I thought it was like a Datsuk thing that he did, that he actually like lifted the puck over. No. <laughs> but then in the replay, it clearly showed a deflection, and it kind of ruined it for me. But still, you know. The goal's a goal. Especially yeah. when it ties a game being down to nothing, you're going to take anything that comes your way. And you know what? You know, for once, the Rangers were not the team giving up a two-goal lead. Exactly. It felt good to be on the other side for a change. So first goal assisted by Hedl and Laffey. Second goal assisted by Lindgren and Fox. And third goal, the man who, Stephen, it, it's, it's crazy because, look, I understand fan frustration to an extent because when you have a Julian Gauthier-type player in Capo Caco, who's done everything but score. It can get frustrating. But this guy, every single game, he's making chances. He's giving your, the team opportunities. Him, He's just so snake-bitten, giving me uh, how, Rick Nash how, how, vibes how, how out here. How did not end up with a hat-trick in that game? I don't know. But here's an interesting fact he, for you. He scores his fourth of the year, Stephen, right before the period ends. Give the Rangers a lead, shift the momentum, perfect timing, assisted by Hedl and Laffey. Both with two assists on the game, and Kako finally nets. Mm-hmm. He should have at least had a hat trick. To your point, yeah, I- agreed. Yeah. There was this one play that reminded me of Rick Nash in the Stanley Cup final, where there's no way that 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 puck should be saved, but somehow Cal Peterson threw, I think, Edler's glove or something. It, it, Peterson got the save, but interesting fact and i'll quickly circle back to the whole patrick kane debate here and uh this will be food for thought for ranger fans when you acquire kane he's not going to be on the power play right he's not going to be on the power play he said who are you going to take off the power play when it's just successful well then you would have him on power play too okay okay here's the thing though capo caco has more even strength points this season than patrick kane Here's here's the real question. How much do you think the Rangers care about that? Uh, I think they should care about it. I don't think. Oh, oh no, do. no, I'm not talking about what they what they should care about. I'm talking about what they care about. <laughs> it's just it's an interesting thing to 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 look at with how much this this team relies on the same unit on the power play. 
to look at a player's even strength production when you acquire him at the deadline. I think that's that's a fair point to make. Oh, anyway, I, I don't I don't disagree with you there. I'm just saying they're going to be bringing Patrick Kane, one of ooh. the best American goal scorers of all time. You think they're going to be like, eh, who needs them on special teams? <laughs> We're no, who's, who's, on gonna, who's coming off the power play? Or you got to pull Shea Stewart because you have six people. At this point, nothing would surprise me. Anyway, uh, so tell me about the Chris Kreider goals then. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about the Chris Kreider goals because as we get to the third period, Sean Walker gets his first goal of the year, of course, to tie the game early into the third period. Chris Kreider, however, scores a beautiful goal, bolting full steam ahead down the left side, pad-penning Chris Kreider fashion. A sharp angle shot just rips it and gets it past Cal Peterson to give the Rangers the lead literally seconds after the Canes tie it. So momentum shift? No, that didn't stay long for LA. And then Kreider would go on to get the empty netter to cap off the 5-3 victory. Something that needs to be said is not only Chris Kreider looking really strong this game now having eight goals on the season, or nine rather, because he got the empty netter, correct? I think he, has he has nine goals now. Yeah, yeah. Not, nine goals now in 20 games. That's solid. And, hey, 40-goal pace. I'm not going to complain there. Um, and you look at Igor Shosturkin. Igor was lights out like every other night, man. It was Does he lead the league in wins right now, or is he tied? Uh, let me He's see. He's close, actually. I think. I can probably yeah. look that up for you. Yeah, Igor, uh, 35 for 37 on the shots he faced. Um, um, pardon me, 35 for 38 including uh, special teams as well. Uh, uh, Dorkin is tied for second in wins. Uh, Linus Olmark has 13. Okay. Shishorkin and Vegas Logan Thompson have 10. Vegas Logan Thompson? Yeah, Logan Thompson of the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. Tied with Shishorkin with 10 wins. In fourth place, shared fourth place, is Alex Georgiev for the Avalanche with nine. As he should, though. If you're on yeah. that Avalanche team... You, you should be getting those ones. And then Martin Jones for the Kraken also has nine. Does Martin some, Jones has played He's played exceptionally better. And it, what I saw, which was funny, is that since Martin Jones became a dad, he's apparently gone this dad strength. I saw a mm-hmm. meme about it a little bit ago. I don't know how true that is. Um, but he's looked very good, surprisingly. I mean, yeah. Seattle, Seattle's not been a bad team this year. Give, yeah. give credit where credit's due. By the you know, way, we are, we're going up against a team that has the goalie, John Gibson, who leads the league in losses, goals against, and shots against. I, a part of me honestly feels bad for John Gibson, and yeah. here's why. That man was propelled as the second coming of, like, Marm Brodeur quickly into his career for no fucking reason, okay? He was he was very solid to start his career. Do not get me wrong. However, the, the hype was out of line from the get-go with John. And I never understood why it was. He's always been a solid goaltender, but now he's a below average goaltender. And he has been for a couple seasons now. So I just, it it, talk about a guy that peaks so fast. Like it it almost makes me think of former Anaheim duck goaltender and Victor Rask. um, If you remember him. Um, Oh yeah. The other, yeah. The other Rask. Yes. The Swede. Um, I think no, 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 Victor Rask was a center. Yeah. Uh, wait, I'm trying to think. Is his first name Victor or is it? I think Rask is his last name. Am I wrong? Am I... Nah, I think you're thinking of some someone else. Oh, I could be thinking of Tuka. Tuka Rask for the for the Bruins. Yeah. Yeah, but no. Who who is the Boston Bruins goaltender that they had 
paired him with Freddie back in the day. Um, they, they paired him with Freddie Anderson. You mean the Ducks goaltender? Yes. Um, Think 2013. You know what? I'm going to look that up for you. Um, while we're at it, by the way, uh, Alexander Georgiev has a 9-2-9 save percentage. Okay. Good for him. Uh, Victor Fast. Fast, yes. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah, Victor Fast with yeah. an H because he didn't change his spelling when he came to North America. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the season prior, the Ducks had seven goalies, by the way, uh, throughout the season. Oh, and Jonas Hiller. Oh, my goodness. So many memories yeah. coming back. Jonas Hiller, uh, Jeff Delorier, Igor yeah. Bobkov, Zachary Sikic, Rob Laurie. Yeah, they. Uh, it's not as bad as the Flyers a couple of years ago who had eight different goalies start a game for them in a single season. I know. <laughs> but it's up there. Yeah. So, okay, Stephen, we, we talked about five-on-five five for this team. Uh, when we look at them going forward, um, let's do a proper pr- – let's do it now. Fuck it. Let's do it now. Let's do a prediction for the upcoming games for the Rangers. How about that? Let, let's do our best to make sure we're here a week from now. So let's say like the four, three or four games from now, how, however many games they play from now to um, next Tuesday. Um, I would say Tuesday, I guess, right? Um, we got Anaheim, Edmonton. New Jersey, and then the Tuesday show, whether we do it live or pre-record based on my schedule, regardless, we'll get that out ASAP. Um, so we got Anaheim, then back home facing Edmonton, at home facing the Devils, and that's it. So just three games. I yeah. don't know who won. I, I think you were closer to winning last time, so you can go first. I, I, I remember that I was. So, yeah, um, yeah definitely won that round. Um, man, at home against the Oilers, man. I don't know McDavid and Drysidle. Can you retain them? It's a day you, game. It's a day game. Them? I'm calling it. I think Rangers lose. Saying it right now. I mean that that is also a fair point. And then you are at home against the Devils, who are what they have won like what thirteen in a row. Yeah. Can they, can the they contain? Can they contain Jack Hughes? Can they contain Jesper Bratt? Can they contain all the young studs that the Devils have right now? When was the last time the Rangers lost to the Devils at home? Let me look that up. Definitely was not long ago. That might have been last season. Because I specifically remember Hughes having some good games against us over the past year. Um, The last time they lost at home was February 2021. See, yeah. Uh, look, uh, what are the Rangers gonna do? What are the Rangers gonna do? Um, and then they're facing an Ottawa team that is just so fun to me. Uh, yeah. I like Ottawa. I do. I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna be positive for change. I'm gonna go three and zero. Oh. Ooh, I like that. I'm gonna go two and one, and the only Rangers loss is against. The Edmonton Oilers. Okay. Okay. Uh, And then the number of goals in three games. I'll go with 10. Fuck. (laughs) 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 That's always a good sign if I hear. Um, hmm. Given the goaltending, 
I'm gonna go with the. Mm, I'm gonna go with the over. I'm gonna go with eleven. Okay. All right. So we'll see what happens there. Um, cool. Mm, okay. All right. I'm glad that you have that written down. Now let's talk for a minute. Why don't we about just the Rangers as a group right now, Stephen? When you look at the amount of over the past couple of weeks since we last spoke, you, you've looked at the line configurations. You've looked at the lack of consistency again for the Rangers. What do you personally believe is best for this team to have their right foot forward going forward, along with winning their past couple games? And again, looking at their latest stretch, they've had points now in their past, uh, let's see, three games here. So uh, four games, four. Uh, four, four games. So yeah. what, what do you think is the best thing for this team going forward and uh, what, again, has been a lackluster start to the season overall? The best thing for this team is to give their top prospects decent minutes with decent players and don't demote them after after they don't have a point in like three games. Yeah, That is the best for this team. But we have a coach who cannot make up his mind. So um, if if it were up to me, I would put Lafreniere and Kako with Zibanejad, no question. And I would put Kreider and Hedl on the third line, Panarin and Trojic on the second. And then you can argue about who you want to put with Panarin and who you want to put with Kreider. But there's just there's, and this is why I, I over the last two days I've been bringing up these even strength numbers because this notion that Kako and Lafreniere haven't produced enough to be in the top six is nonsense. And plus, what do you expect them to get any better if they don't have much top six opportunities? That's another thing that I think is really important. You, it, it'll always frustrate the hell out of me. Like, I'm sorry, but I want these kids to continue gain top six minutes regardless on the production or lack thereof is seen for a bit because it's the best way to get them to where they need to be, okay? Um, you do not waste first and second overall picks, and we've seen this lack of structure with the Rangers in developing their players. Um, and I, I'm not opposed to, you know, how Galan has went about the kid line as long as he give them consistent ice time. That's the issue for me. You know, I, Heedle has been one of the better players for the Rangers all year. I've been very happy with what I've seen from Philip Heal. Nice to see him healthy now, too. So it, it really isn't a matter of who exactly needs to be his line mates for the Laffies and the Cockos of the world. I just want them to be given equal opportunity, especially when your top six has not been consistent five on five. Why, why do we need to continue this notion of making sure that you're going out there and running and making Panarin, Kreider, Zbanjad, Trocek unbelievably gassed down the stretch in a game if, say, you're trailing? You're, you're, you're putting no faith in the kids when they've shown you plenty of times that they can provide offensive upside. They can give you that spark. They can certainly give you opportunities. Kako is the definition of opportunities, right? So um, I think in a nutshell, for me, I'm just in 100% agree with you, uh, agreement with you. But more than anything, I, I'm focused on the ice time more than I am specifically. I, I just I, I, I just want people to be rewarded at even strength for what they do at even strength. Yeah. I don't want people to be players to be rewarded at even strength for something that they do on the power play. If you sure. put Kreider on the third line, he still gets his power play minutes. He still gets his power play production. But 
the guy is like literally on the same level in terms of production and even strength as Alexi Lafreniere and Capocaco behind Philip Hedo. Philip Hedo was outproducing his advantage at even strength. How how is this not a topic of conversation? I don't get it. But look, we'll see what happens. Last season, the Rangers limped all the way to the deadline, and then they were able to uh, to get some some magic beans for a couple of late round picks, and it all worked out magically. It was it was amazing. I Pro think team. I think you're banking on too much though, trying to pull off that magic for a second straight year. I don't I don't think they're going to be able to pull off that magic. They have to they have to I do agree. something else. But I, I've always said this team is not winning a cup if Kako and Lafreniere do not hit their ceiling. And what frustrates me is that I can see other players on other teams that also have depth get the opportunity to make mistakes, get the opportunity to go four or five games without a point. Lucas Raymond, I think, went like five or six games without scoring a goal. He wasn't demoted for a fourth liner. And that's the other frustrating thing. I'm perfectly fine with sending Lafreniere and Kako back to the third line if you have better better options. But with all due respect, Jimmy Vesey and Barkley Goudreau are not better options than Capo Kako and Alexi Lafreniere. I, I I agree. I don't really think and, I need to add any, any more onto that. Um, final tidbit, Stephen, before we wrap things up. What's the latest on the prospect report? Because since we last spoke, you know, this kid, Brennan Offman, something happened with him. Kind of a yeah, big deal. No longer in Flint. He was, uh, he was traded to the Peterborough Peets. And this was long-awaited, correct? Uh, yeah, uh, talks about a trade have been going on, you know, from time to time. Um, but in this case, uh, Brennan Othman came out with a tweet himself, uh, explaining why he wanted to, why he wanted to be closer to home. Uh, his family lives in Pickering, Ontario, the Flint Firebirds play in Michigan. Of course, you have some, still some travel restrictions between the U.S. and Canada that, that you have to deal with. He wanted to be closer to his grandparents because his grandparents are not in the best shape. Um, and yeah, they they accommodated a trade for him to go to the Peterborough Peets where he plays with better line mates. He plays with Tucker Robertson and uh, Connor Lockhart, I think, uh, Canucks and Kraken prospects. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a good fit for him. Uh, let's see what he does in the coming weeks. But Brendan Othman, no longer a Flint Firebird. Yeah, I mean, from what I read and heard, this was something that Othman was hoping for for quite a bit now. Um, so now he gets to move over uh, with the Peterborough Peets. That's a nice fit. I know that he's already settled in nicely with them. And again, this is a guy that we very well could see over the next year already have an impact on this Rangers roster. So what it, whatever's best, best for him is what I'm okay with, personally, as a fan. But speaking of other guys and juniors, you know, Break it down, Stephen. What are what are the biggest highlights you've seen recently for the Rangers and their prospects? Oh, Bryce McConnell Barker is definitely one of the highlights. Um, and, and you've highlighted him since the season began. Yeah. Uh, last season for the Sioux Greyhounds, he played in a very defensive role. He was a third-line shutdown center for them. Uh, I think he put up close to 50 points in 70 games. And this season, he has been leading by example. His team is pretty bad. But he has, uh, he's over a point per game for them, even though they, they keep losing. Uh, the last two games, he had a goal and an assist twice. And both times, his team lost in the shootout, 4-3 and 5-4. Uh, I think his team has lost like 12 of the last 15 games. But he's a point per game player. He's producing on a team 
that is not playing well. And to me, that's that's important because it it teaches a player that what how to deal with losses. And what you see a lot with with these top prospects, like guys that are drafted in the first, second, third round, they usually play on teams where they are used to winning. And then they come to the NHL or they go to the AHL, and all of a sudden, especially the AHL, you are on a team that doesn't win. Um, and like mentally, that's a bit of a, a bit of a it takes a bit of a hit. Uh, but McConnell Barker is the captain for the Sioux Greyhounds. He is he is definitely standing out in a in a positive way for him for them. Uh, and then the other guy, Maxime Barbashev, who plays in the QMJHL, um, decent season so far for the Moncton Wildcats, 15 points in 20 games. Uh, definitely for a fifth round pick, doing decent. Uh, but the real standout for me, aside from McConnell Barker, is uh, Jaden Group in the WHL. Um, he he plays for the Red Deer Rebels, um, and last year he was struggling massively with a knee injury. He had knee surgery over the summer when he was drafted uh, and struggled all season to get back into rhythm. This season so far, 24 points in 20 games, but also leading by example as the captain, winning face-offs, uh, really an integral part to that Red Deer Rebels team who's having a really good start to the season. So yeah, in juniors, definitely some uh, some highlights uh, for this team. Um, how, um, how has Brett Berard been doing? Uh, Berard has a, a familiar teammate now in uh, Providence, in Jaroslav yeah. Lars. Mm -hmm. So they're playing together in Providence. Um, Berard had a slow start to the season, uh, but he has uh, multiple points in five of his last six games. Oh, okay. Uh, he's really picked up the pace. Uh, six goals, nine assists in 13 games for the Providence Friars. Nice. Uh, really good for them. Uh, helps them win games. So, yeah, he's uh, he, he needed some time to get started this season, but a really good uh, junior year for him so far. He gets to play with his younger brother, Brady Berard, and I fully expect him to turn pro in the summer. You know, when you mentioned Groob, what stood me was the fact that you had alluded that he – was coming off of a major knee injury and a guy at a young age as well to have an injury with their knee, especially that's not an easy thing to overcome that especially young in a player's careers. Yes. Obviously you have the benefit of being young and still being vibrant and being able to make a full recovery. But a lot of times players are never the same when they face anything of significance in their knees. So to hear that he's already bounced back as their captain and juniors, 24 points in 20, uh, 20 games. That's great to hear. Cause again, yeah. uh, whenever, it, it, there's a lot of hockey injuries out there that can really be detrimental to a player's lack of development, but especially in the knee, you know, torn meniscus area, those are usually issues where I, I'm very wary on, on what you're looking at going forward for a player. So very happy to hear that regarding him. Yeah. Yeah. Aside from a concussion and knee injury is probably the worst thing you can deal with as yeah. a, as a professional athlete. So, okay. um, but yeah, no. Overall, uh, some some very surprising starts by some players. Um, Noah Laba had a strong start to the season for I love that name Colorado College. Uh, he has slowed down a little bit, but I think he still will have a good season. And Will Cooley in Hartford, um, you know, three goals, three assists in his first fourteen games of the season. Uh, only twenty years old, so he's going to grow into that role. You know, it is the AHL. He is one of the younger players in the league. Um, and, yeah, the other guy that I mentioned earlier, not so much on the score sheet, but Matt Rempe is uh, is a force in the AHL for the Wolfpack. He, um, 
I had a call with him over the summer and we talked about fighting and hockey and he he was very adamant that fighting still has a place in hockey and I said it earlier three fights in 11 games so far this season um definitely an interesting development for a guy that's only 20 years old he's really not uh like physically overpowered there yeah, I, you've spoken glowingly of Rempe, especially since you guys uh, last spoke. And he's someone where I am curious to see what kind of role he'll have in, in, in this Rangers team potentially over the next couple of years. Like, where, where, for you personally, do you see him as someone that can be slotted in in this bottom six over the next couple of years? Yeah, it's probably going to take a few years. Like I said, the, the kid's only 20 years old. Yeah. Probably need like two or three years. But, uh, yeah, the Rangers wouldn't have offered him a contract if they didn't think he was going to be nhl caliber at some point in his career of course it's early to say but yeah no he's definitely an interesting player to look for maybe like i said maybe not on the score sheet but in other ways he's very noticeable uh and the last player i'd like to mention is another draft pick from 2022 together with uh with noah laba zachary carpa who plays for harvard yep uh son of former ranger dave carpa um and you know in the ivy league uh the the hockey game started a little bit later they started like late october he's only played seven games but six points so far um so decent start to the season for him uh hope to have a chat with him soon uh to dive into that as well but it's been it's been an interesting season and um we've been over this the last couple of seasons when we talked about prospects it was always defensemen you know, we talked about Miller and Lundqvist and Jones and Schneider and Robertson and Hunter Skinner to a degree. Now all those guys are on entry-level contracts. They're playing either in New York or in Hartford or in Lundqvist's case in Dallas. Um, and the Rangers made a seamless transition into their best prospects being what they actually need. The Rangers need forward prospects now. And you talk about a guy like Othman, 27 points in 19 games, leading by example group mcconnell barker berard the rangers have some interesting prospects and i haven't even talked about adam sikora who's playing pro hockey back in slovakia um who only turned 18 two months ago so we'll see what happens with these kids some of these kids will be playing in the world juniors um and yeah i'll, I'll keep an eye on all of them awesome always appreciate the prospect update steven and before we wrap things up, I did want to address one comment here in the show, and that is uh, from Chris saying that, what are our thoughts on Miller and Truba pairing? Because they have really struggled this year. And great question because, you know, <laughs> unfortunately, Jacob Truba, I can't say I'm too surprised. I, I did. I certainly enjoyed his performance in large parts last season. Playoffs, not so much. That was a different animal when it came to Jacob Truba in a negative fashion. Keandre Miller, slow start. Similar, even though I would say he's performing worse than what he did to start last season right now. Um, a guy that you and I were both critical of. And then as midseason got on, Keandre Miller essentially became the Rangers' best defenseman. So do you do you think in hand with the Rangers and having similarities to their inconsistent start last season, do you just see more of the same here with a lot of the players, especially like Keandre and Truba? And do you expect them to get back to their game that we have certainly seen over the past year plus? Uh, look, I, I've been very adamant about being on the uh, hashtag Miller Fox train for yeah. a while now. 
I think it's time. I think it's time to uh, to make that switch. Ten years ago or twelve years ago, I mean, it's already twenty twenty two. Sorry about that. About twelve <laughs> years ago, the Rangers had a similar situation where their top pair was Stahl Girardi. And nobody could foresee someone, uh, someone changing that. You know that that pair was was there to stay. Uh, in a similar way that we talk about Lindgren Fox now, but I want to see I want to see Miller Fox. I think Miller is a really good fit for Fox, and hopefully we get to see it. Um, yeah. Until then, we just have to hope that they improve. I am happy that Jones is back in the lineup because Schneider is a much better player with Jones next to him. I agree. hundred percent. Yeah. I don't think Hayek has been, you know, God awful, like what we've seen in recent years with him. Um, however, I'm always in favor of Zach Jones being in the lineup. I, he's just another kid where I just want to see him continue to be given a leash. This is the time to do it. I get it. We're in a win now stage, but at the same time, you have prospects, you have availability on your bomb pair. The least you could do is make sure that you give him the rightful playing time. Um, yeah. Steven, before we wrap up the show, do you have any final remarks about the Rangers? Uh, well, um, Adam Fox is the clear all-star on this team. I don't think it's even a question. Um, and this team just needs to be better five on five. You cannot win. You cannot win 50 games in a season by relying solely on your power play. So uh, until that changes, we're going to have some nerve-wrecking evenings. I I hate how similar this is to the start of last season, but here we are. (laughs) All right, guys, for that at Statboy, Steven, check him out on Twitter, covering all things Rangers, doing a phenomenal job, prospect updates, key interviews with prospects, all that fun stuff. Make sure to check him out. Check me out, of course, at WordyNYM on Twitter. I'm known for covering the New York Mets, especially on YouTube. I will my separate channel. Also, will chime in and share some raw thoughts on the Rangers when I'm when I'm watching the games and live between them. So, guys, thank you all so much for watching. Oh, for people. You're forgetting something. Oh, you're right, you son of a gun. Every time, every time, we, we forget one thing, and it is episode 68 of Rangers Review, which means we have to deep dive the history. Easiest ever. 68. Easiest ever. Yes. Yamir Yager. There's only been one. There's only been one. Correct. Easiest, a man who I I truly wish did not leave for the KHL when he did. Um, But no less, Yager doing the salute back to you. Steven, thank you for another great show. Everyone watching, listening, audio, make sure to rate, review, wherever you get your podcasts. And let's go Rangers, baby. Let's go Rangers at even strength.